and it just puts things into perspective, um, you know, because for a lot of time, for a, a lot of different reasons, the church has dodged the subject of the Holy Spirit. We've kind of tried to get around it. How can we not touch it? How can we not talk about it? Um, and it's simply because, and it's what we looked at last week, um, that people have gotten out of line. People have, have gotten out. You may have been in services. You may have heard things or seen things um, where churches or pastors or leaders or even people you know um, have gotten out of uh, the balance of the Holy Spirit. And so it's become kooky. It's become weird. Uh, it, people say weird things and act weird and do weird things. And, and, and we just all chalk it up. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. He's, boy, he's moving. It's what he wanted to do. So... I have no control over it, and um, so for these different reasons, uh, we've shied away from it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to bring it up, but you've heard me say it before that God is in heaven, God the Father. Jesus the Son ascended, went back to heaven, and the Holy Spirit is who we have here in the earth with us. We're in the earth. I'm not in, I'm not in heaven. Not yet. You're not in heaven. Not yet. And... Um, the whole goal that God wanted from the beginning was to bring heaven to earth. And the Holy Spirit is how that happens. Um, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. So it's very important. Um, people want to say they want to know Jesus more. They want to know God more. Well, the Holy Spirit is how you know them more. Because God sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to live inside of us, and to be everything that God is. Uh, when you say that Jesus lives in me or when you say that God lives in me, you're saying that the Holy Spirit is residing in me. And so we've been uh, taking this time. I know it's been slow. I know it's been uh, very processed. And it's been like that on purpose. Um, because what, an, what a lot of churches do is if they do touch on the Holy Spirit, they give, they give them one or two weeks and they throw it out there. And if you got it, you got it. If you didn't, Oh, well, we move on, and then we talk about other stuff. And um, so I just wanted to be uh, very sure um, that we're covering the topic of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, not just the feeling, not just the power, not just the presence, not just the emotional things that we say, oh, the Holy Spirit was in church today. Um, I want the Holy Spirit to be with you at work. I want the Holy Spirit to be with you in your home when you're with your kids. I want the Holy Spirit to be with you when you're in Walmart. Um, that's what we want, not just in church. And so that's why we've been uh, taking the time that we have to go through this series. And last week we shifted gears a little bit, and we're starting to move into the power of the Holy Spirit. We're starting to move into the gifts of the Spirit. And last week we said that... Uh, you don't throw out a system because somebody got the system wrong. And see, that's what we do. That's, that's Americanized thinking, is if the system doesn't work, trash it. But what we don't understand is that God's system always works. It's depending on who's working the system. And what I mean is, is just because you went to a church that maybe got out of line or got out of balance with the Holy Spirit or you've seen weird things happen and you think, that's not what's supposed to be happening. I don't want any part of that. It's not the system that's broken. It's the person that's operating the system. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how to operate the system properly. And the gifts of the Spirit are a system that if they're not operated according to God's order and His design, they, they will break. They will bring confusion. We saw last week that Paul 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, was talking with the Corinthian church, and he said, how, how is it every time you guys meet, every time you guys have a church service, uh, somebody's given a tongue, somebody's prophesying, somebody's given a psalm and a hymn, uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. And what he was uh, addressing with the church was that there was no order. And when there is no order, confusion sets in. And uh, how many of you have ever been, just, you, you, can, you can say it, I, I'm not going to condemn anyone here, because I've been in the same boat. How many of you can say you've been confused by things you've seen uh, in church that were chalked up as the Holy Spirit? The things that you heard, things you've seen, way people acted. Okay, and that comes because they got out of the order of how it was to operate. You heard me say uh, a while back um, that anything that God builds or any system that God puts in place, he has a specific order and design to it. And remember we said that if it's not built to his order and design, he doesn't live in it. So we've been doing all these things that we call the gifts of the Spirit or operation of the Holy Spirit, but there's no God because we've come outside of his order and outside of his design. we got people running all over the place, and we got 15 people want to give a tongue and interpretation. we got people prophesying things that they haven't heard from God on at all. Um, and so we've got all these broken systems, but it's not the system that is broken, it's how it's being worked. And so Paul was addressing that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So today, I want to help us understand these gifts. Um, we are, this is probably going to be the most broken down section of what we talk about on the Holy Spirit. This is where we're going to go. You thought I was going slow. We're about to really pull the reins in on this thing. Um, because this is where the confusion sets in, is the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to go real slow. Um, We're going to take our time with this. And tonight, I just kind of want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit as a whole and understanding the purpose. If you don't understand the purpose of something, then you don't understand, uh, one, how it works, and two, what it can do for you. Uh, That goes for anything. If I don't understand the purpose of a vehicle, one, I'm not going to understand how it works, and two... I'm not going to understand what the vehicle can do for me. Um, It's not that the vehicle's broken. The vehicle's fine. It runs great. Everything on, all the parts are there. But I don't know how to operate the vehicle properly, so it is useless to me. And I don't want the gifts of the Spirit any longer to be useless in the church. They're not supposed to be. We need to understand the purpose. So if you'll go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is where Paul really starts to break down the gifts of the Spirit, starts to identify them individually. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, he says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The same God, the same Spirit, the same Lord. So here's what he's addressing. We need to understand the source. We need to understand the source. Although there may be differences, you can write this down, although there may be differences in how he moves, it's the same God moving in all the gifts. And what happens 
and this is where confusion can start to set in, is we get our focus off of the source and we start to focus on what gift is being used. For example, working of miracles. Uh, we could call up a healing line and lay hands on people and if the, the gift of the Spirit is, is here this evening to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, if there is a gift of working of miracles in operation, we can tend to get our eyes off of the source Who's bringing the healing? God. But we can get our eyes off of God and we can get our eyes on just the working of miracles. Same thing with the tongue and interpretation. This is probably the one that brings the most confusion because tongues is one of the most debatable subjects in the Bible. Is tongues for everybody? Are we supposed to speak in tongues? Is it real? Is it for today? Was it just for then? Um, and we'll get to addressing that. But tongues, if you only focus on the tongue then we are not focusing on the right thing. Because the tongue is not what we're supposed to be focusing on. The God behind the tongue, the Holy Spirit behind the tongue, is our main focus. Uh, If I don't keep my focus on the source, I'll lose the purpose of the whole whole operation. I will lose the purpose of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'll lose the purpose of a working of miracles. I'll lose the purpose of a prophecy. And I'll get my eyes on the person giving the prophecy versus God who is using that. Which is the next point I want to get to. Look at verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now notice here the Holy Spirit is not, uh, he, he does not discriminate. We go ahead and tell that tell it to you right now. The Holy Spirit does not discriminate. Uh, as a pastor... This is a five-fold gift given to the body for order and for direction. But I'm not the only one who can operate in gifts of the Spirit. The Bible is very clear that the gifts of the Spirit are given to the body. I'm not the only one who can give a tongue and interpretation. I'm not the only one who can, give, uh, who can have a, a working of miracles. I remember for a long time down in St. Augustine as we were growing and training our body in this, um, when we had moves of the Holy Spirit, say a tongue and interpretation, it always seemed to be fivefold ministry. It always seemed to be the pastor giving a tongue and then another pastor giving a, a prophecy or another pastor giving an interpretation of that. But that's, the, that's not how it has to be. Uh, the Holy Spirit can work through anybody uh, as we yield to the Holy Spirit and as we grow and understand. Understanding is key. I mean, I just said, I I can't use a vehicle, and the vehicle is not going to be profitable to me if I don't know how to drive it. Uh, My son, if I put him behind the wheel of my truck, he's just going to think he's in a big toy. And he's going to think, how in the world did I get inside something that I play with every day? He's not going to think, oh, that's where my foot goes, this is where my hands go, this is how I turn it on. He's not going to understand all that. He's not going to understand what the engine does, why gas has to be in it, why oil has to be going through it. He's not going to understand those things. So the, once the understanding comes, then the yielding to the Holy Spirit must come. Uh, we said last week that the Holy Spirit doesn't possess people. A lot of times we think that the Holy Spirit is like a, is like a demon. Because uh, demons can possess people. Demons can take over people and actually control them and make them do what, they, what the demon wants them to do. We saw this in the Bible. Jesus came upon a guy... Uh, in a, the madman in Gadaria and shows up, and this guy is living out in a cave, 
has no clothes on. They try to chain him up, and he breaks the chains, and he's cutting himself. Tell me what human being on the face of the planet would want to do that. Nobody. This man was being controlled by an evil spirit. But the Holy Spirit does not operate that way. He's not going to control you. Why, why were you laughing like that? You're just laughing so crazy. The Holy Spirit made me do it. I couldn't, couldn't control myself. False. The Holy Spirit does not do that. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I've been in services where uh, the Holy Spirit has manifested himself in laughter. And man, I needed it. I was going through some stuff and I just needed to laugh. And I had to yield. I could have stood there and said, you know what? I'm not, this is crazy. This is stupid. I'm not gonna, what's laughing going to do? What's that really going to do? But what's the Holy Spirit wanting to do? Holy Spirit's wanting to manifest himself through my life in a natural way. It's the supernatural being manifested in a natural way. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. But I had to yield to that. He didn't control me. And I just, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, I could have stopped laughing anytime I wanted to. But I yielded myself, gave to it, and the Holy Spirit manifested in my life. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. These are all the gifts of the Spirit, by the way. There are nine of them. Just like there's nine fruits of the Spirit, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, uh, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. But look at this in verse 11. We just went through and listed all nine of them. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. See, we look at how many times Paul stressed there the same Spirit, the same Spirit. I mean, for there, for a while, after every single one, he's saying the same Spirit. Every time he went from one gift to another, he keeps saying the same Spirit. It's the same God. It's the same Spirit. We cannot lose focus of the source. The source is not the working of miracles. The source is not the gift of faith. The source is not a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God. But look what he says here in verse 2. This is the second point I want to point out. Is that he's made, it says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given. What he's showing here is that you and I are the vessels. We are the channel that the Holy Spirit works through. Remember we've said this from the beginning. Understanding the kingdom mentality, understanding... The kingdom mindset that God had when he created this world, that he created a partnership. He created man to work in cooperation with him, with God. God is still to this day not doing anything in the earth apart from man. He needs man. So this is what it is. God uses natural vessels to communicate spiritual realities. God is using you and I to, cre- to manifest and to bring something in from the supernatural to the natural. There is a supernatural realm. There is a spiritual realm. But we are to bring the supernatural and the spiritual into the natural realm. That is our job. That is what we are to do as kingdom citizens. And so he shows right here 
the Holy Spirit isn't, we're not just sitting around and just listening to voices that start giving words of knowledge or words of wisdom. What's he doing? He's using us. He's using man. He'll use me to give Chuck a word of wisdom. He'll use Brent to give Jimmy a word of knowledge. This is how the Holy Spirit works. This is how God operates in the earth. He's using you and I as we yield. There's times that I've had uh, uh, a gift of the Spirit um, move in my life. And again, there's times where I didn't yield. There's times where I knew I was supposed to give a tongue uh, in service, and I didn't. I held it back. And that's on me. That's on me. I I, I can't go back and, and fix it. God wanted to move in that specific instance, in that appointed time, and I chose not to. I didn't yield. But thank God there's times that I have yielded. Thank God I learned from that and said I'll never do that again. I want God to use me. I want to be his vessel. So God is using natural means to communicate spiritual truth. We understand that. Um, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. <clears throat> also notice that these nine gifts that we just read, real quick, I'll read them uh, one more time. Uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, another faith, the gift of faith, gift of healing, another, a working of miracles, to another prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the nine gifts. Notice that each one of those go beyond natural ability. Each one of them. So although God, the Holy Spirit, is using a natural person to bring a supernatural truth in, it's only through supernatural means. There's not one of those things you could do on your own ability. There's no school I can go to to learn tongues. There's no, uh, there's no program that I can go to to receive the Working of Miracles scholarship. Uh, that, that can't be trained. You can't be learned. It's given to you supernaturally. It goes beyond my natural ability to be able to lay hands on someone and see them healed. It goes beyond my natural ability to go up to Chuck and get a wor- give a word of wisdom that's spot on that has to do with his life and what he needs to do. There, there's... there's There's no way you could do any nine of those in your natural ability. It's the supernatural and the natural coming together. Let me say that one more time. It's the supernatural and the natural coming together. That's what the kingdom is all about. is a spiritual kingdom and a spiritual realm being brought into a natural realm. And that is what we're here for. That's what we're doing. A manifestation simply, simply means visible to the natural eye. That's all that means. So when, when we say a, a move of the Spirit or a manifestation of the Spirit, uh, that just means that the Spirit realm has now just been made visible in the natural realm. Uh, where God wanted to get a word, uh, Chuck, I'll use you again, when God wanted to get a word to Chuck, if no one in the natural moves, how's he going to get the word to Chuck? In the natural there's a word in the Spirit. Chuck, you need to do this. But if he doesn't get that to him in the natural realm, here we go, example. Joseph, remember the, the story of Joseph. And, uh, you know, he, he went through some crazy stuff from the time he was a teenager up until he was about 30 years old. He was put in prison. 
But he had a gift of telling dreams. That was a gift. That was a God-given gift. That wasn't a natural ability. Uh, he didn't go to a special dream interpret, interpreting school. Um, it wasn't passed down to him uh, in his bloodline from his father. Uh, it was a God-given gift. And one day, Pharaoh, at the time, has a dream. And he can't interpret it. He wants to know what it is. And nobody can tell him what it is. Nobody can tell him what the dream was, what the dream meant. And they're all on the verge of losing their lives. And one guy remembers, hey, there's this guy, Joseph. He can interpret dreams. So he brings Joseph to Pharaoh. Now, could God have just told Pharaoh what the dream meant? Sure, he gave him the dream. Why couldn't he have just gone ahead and told him what the dream meant? Because he's looking for a man to be obedient in the earth to carry out his plans. And that's what Joseph did. So Joseph received a spiritual insight and brought it into the natural and said, Hey, Pharaoh, I've got the interpretation to your dream. This is what it means. And it ended up saving the country. It ended up saving his family. Because he was obedient to pull something from the spirit realm into the natural realm. And that's how the gifts of the spirit operate. Every time. It's simply pulling something from the spirit realm. If I lay hands on someone for sickness, they already have the healing. It's just in a different realm. See, the people we prayed about just before we started service, they already have their healing. Jesus is up in heaven sitting down. He's not still working for our healing. He's literally seated on a throne, waiting for us to enact what he's already made available to us. He died on the cross. He took the stripes on his back for our sickness, for our disease. So we shouldn't have to deal with that. But what, why is the sickness still there? Because it's in the spirit realm. Now, as I'm obedient, and God says, lay, hand on this, lay your hands on this person for their healing, what am I doing? I'm grabbing hold of a healing in the spirit realm, and I'm bringing it into the natural realm, and then we see it when that person's healed. That's how this gifts of the spirit operate. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm, I'm trying to make this as plain and simple as possible. I want to make it plain and simple. I don't, there's enough confusion about this subject. There's enough going around, um, and there's enough getting off. And you know, that's where the enemy works, is in deception. That's where he works. Um, the number one warning in the New Testament for Christians from Jesus Peter and Paul, all three of them warned about people, about false prophets and false teachers that would fall to the right or to the left in a subject and bring in deception in the church. That's the number one. His warning wasn't against, he talked about the world getting worse. He talked about trials and tribulations. But you know what he said? None of that has any effect on you because I've already overcome the world. The world's not your problem. The problem is people who call themselves preachers and teachers of the word but don't rightly divide the word and they end up leading people astray. And see, it's so tricky. It's so tricky because you can be going to church, listen, listening to a pastor, 
and, and, and learning and, and, and growing. You think you're growing, but you don't, we don't see just the small twists and the small maneuvers that people make because they haven't rightly divided the word and they're preaching something that's not true or not preaching something at all. And so Paul, Jesus, Peter, that's why it's important for us to be in the Word ourselves. We have to have a pastor. You have to be in a church. You have to be hooked up with the church. And that's how you grow. That's where you grow. But it is important not to just take what I say because I say it. Because that's not going to work. Someone asks, hey, why do, you, why do you believe in that? Well, Pastor Mark preached on it last Wednesday. <laughs> it's not going to cut it. I'm sorry. It didn't, it didn't cut it in the book of Acts. The seven sons of Sceva, man, they went uh, to try to cast out these demons out of this man. Seven of them. Seven on one. That's not even a fair fight for the devil, right? He's outnumbered. And they, he, and they said, we come to you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And what did the demon say? The demon said, well, I know, I know Jesus. I'm familiar with him. I know Paul. But I don't know you. Why? Because they were preaching someone else's doctrine. They never got in it for themselves. They never developed a relationship with Jesus. And so one man whooped all seven of them, sent them out of the, out of the, out of the house naked and bleeding. So what ended up being an unfair fight for the enemy, he ended up winning simply because they didn't know their position and what they believed in. So we have to know this word for ourselves. We've got to know this for ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can't come to me and say, Pastor Mark, you got me beat up last week. I try to go to this guy and say, uh, I come to you in the name of Jesus whom Pastor Mark preaches and he beat me up. You, you've been fairly warned. First uh, Corinthians chapter two. Let's start with verse one. Uh, and and Paul is obviously still talking to the same church, the Corinthian church, and he's talking a little more, going a little more in depth here on what the gifts of the Spirit are for. We need to know why, and basically we're going to cover here what the product is, what gets produced when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Here we go, verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. What's he saying? He's saying, when, when I came to you and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, I did not just come with my words, with my choice words. I didn't come uh, you know, with this great speech, this great message. He said he, he came with much fear and trembling. What he, it's a play on words. He's not saying he was literally scared and trembling when he was standing before them. It's a play on words saying it was more, it was beyond my natural ability. There was something else. Verse 4. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Verse 5. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power 
of God. So he's saying, when I came to you in first, because remember, Paul is the one who birthed the church at Corinth. Let's just go ahead and paint a picture. That'd be like coming to Valdosta. Paul comes here and says, all right, I'm going to start this church. He got some people, and now he's planning this church, and he's building this church up. But he's saying, I didn't just come to you with all these words and preaching the gospel. I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I demonstrated the, this God to you. I showed you what he's capable of doing. Why? So your faith wouldn't be in me. Not in my wisdom. See, if I talk to you good enough about who God is and what he can do, you're, you're going to build, if I don't do it correctly, you're going to end up just building faith upon what I say. And it's got to be deeper than that. And so Paul's saying, I didn't want you to have faith in me. I didn't want you to have faith because, man, that, that Paul guy, he can really preach it. He can really speak. He's got a great message. He, he knows how to talk. He, he seems to really be trained in this stuff. He must have gone to school for a long time. And so that's why we listen to him. No, he said, I want you to have faith in the power of God. Remember last week we said one of the key concepts to understand about the Holy Spirit is that when the, a proper manifestation of the Holy Spirit happens, it will bring glory to God, not to the man. I'll tell you right now, there are some people in the world there are some ministries that are founded upon having these gifts of spirit in operation in their ministries and in their churches. But it's for their glory, not for God's. Look at me and all the people I can heal. Look at me and all the prophecies I can give. Look at me and the moves that happen when I come to town and we have church. It's about them. But Paul's saying that when a manifestation of the spirit takes place, it should bring glory to God. It should glorify God. God uses spiritual gifts to communicate His will and His mind. His will and His mind. Uh, let's keep going further. Verse 7. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, what you have to understand here is the word mystery, when it's used in the New Testament, is not talking about, uh, it's not saying it's mysterious or it's, it's weird and we've got to find clues. Mystery in the Bible just simply means hidden. just means that God has hidden something. Uh, he told his disciples one time, he said, I've got many more things to tell you. I have many more things that I want to, to tell you right now and share with you right now, but you cannot bear them. Sometimes there's just stuff that we can't tell people. It will actually do more harm to them than it will help them. I mean, we saw this with Jesus. He's trying to tell his disciples about what he's about to encounter. He's about, I'm about to be arrested. Uh, I'm going to stand trial, and they're eventually going to kill me. But I'm going to rise again in three days. That hurt Peter. Because Peter got up in front of him, and he said, Lord, may it never be. This will never happen to you. And then Jesus had to look at him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't, have, you don't have my interest at heart. You have your interest at heart. You don't want me to leave because I've been such a good friend to you. You don't want me to leave because we're tight. You don't want me to leave because, you know, we, we've got a thing going on. You're one of my disciples. You're one of my buddies. But if you knew why I had to leave, if you really understood why I have to die, 
you would let me go and do what I need to do. But see, there's sometimes information comes across that we just can't say. So that's why it's hidden. The hidden wisdom of God, verse 7, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I love that verse. Let me tell you why I love that verse. He just said, the ruler of the age, God, uh, Satan, is the God of this world. He took over when man forfeited his right, when Adam gave up his dominion. It says there, none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified. You know what that tells me? That verse says that Satan had no idea why Jesus was here. That's hilarious to me. As, as, the, as deceptive, as tricky, as cunning as he is, He thought he was putting to death Jesus. That just, I mean, if you don't think you don't have any victory in life, read that verse. And that right there will show you that not even the devil saw what was coming when he killed Jesus. He had no clue. The, The most cunning beast of all the field, of all the garden the most trickiest, the most deceptive, just got outplayed by the best. That's hilarious to me. I love that. So he's saying right there that the mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God knew was going to happen before the foundation of the world, Satan didn't even know about. Verse 9, But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who live. Right? So real quick. There are hidden mysteries that God has that he wants to reveal to man, but they're not. Why? Because they're in a spirit realm and man is in a natural realm. Do we see where Paul is at right here? Uh, Hidden mysteries in a spirit realm. We're in the natural realm. How do we get those spiritual mysteries into the natural realm? This is how. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us Through His Spirit. I just told you earlier that God uses spiritual gifts to communicate His will and His mind. Why do we need to know God's will? Why do we need to know what God's thinking? Because we are here on the earth doing His work. That's why. See, if you don't know His will and His mind, then you actually only end up knowing your will. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life making these decisions on my own, doing what I want to do. We've seen very clearly uh, through the Word that it's not about us. It's about what God wants us to do in the earth. It's about the kingdom. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of a man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Here's what he's saying. Right now, I have no idea what you're actually thinking. You could be thinking about where you're going to eat when you get out of here. You could be thinking about what you need to do when you get home. You could be thinking about work tomorrow. I don't know what you're thinking. 
Who in here knows what you're thinking? You. Well, God, but you. Yes, God knows. But the point I'm making, the point that he's making here is no one knows what you're thinking except for you. So, just as the only person that knows what you're thinking is you, the only person that knows what God is thinking is God. And his spirit is given to us to communicate what he's thinking. We see that. God is thinking right now. God has plans in motion. We just saw that he had a plan from the beginning of the age. In fact, he had such a plan hidden so well that not even the devil saw it when Jesus came to the earth. His plan was a mystery. His plan was hidden. So how do we know God's will? How do we know God's mind? This is how. Through his spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 12. Now, see, I mean, it'd be one thing for Paul to say, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God, but you don't. And he's just rubbing it in. There's somebody out there who knows the will of God, but you don't. But he takes it a step further, verse 12. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have freely been given to us by God. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the gifts of the Spirit. The things that have been freely given to us. See, when, when there's a working of miracles and I lay, lay hands on someone because they're sick and they receive healing, they just, got, they just got revealed to them what God has already freely given to them. Healing. Healing. If I give someone here a, a word of knowledge, Word of knowledge is uh, something for the future, is what a no- word of knowledge is, for the present or for the future. And it is something that you need to do or something you need to tweak or something that, but if I bring that, what is that doing? That's God's mind, God's will about your situation. The Holy Spirit is revealing that to you, and he's freely giving you knowledge. And see, this is why it's so important that it gives the Spirit an operation. Because he just got done saying that these mysteries are hidden. The Word is hidden. God's mind and God's will is hidden. It needs to be revealed, and it's revealed by the Holy Spirit. See, a church that doesn't allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate and manifest in their church isn't wanting to know the will of God, isn't wanting to know the mind of God. The Holy Spirit is who... Re- is who reveals that to us. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why an unbeliever, when they read the Word, they're not going to fully grasp it. It's spiritually discerned. And you've got to have the Holy Spirit living within you. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then it closes with, but we have the mind of Christ. We have that mind. We have that understanding. We have the ability to know God's will and God's mind. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, who knows God's will and knows God's mind, communicates it with us and through us. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are so important. That's why they need to be in operation. Now, we saw last week that the, the goal of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to encourage. Well, tell me right now, if, if I were to lay hands on someone who is sick and they are healed, do you think that would be encouraging? Yeah. If I give someone a word of knowledge about something they need to do in a situation, would that bring edification, encouragement? Yes. We said last week that edification is two things. It is instruction and encouragement. So anytime a gift of the Spirit is manifest, anytime a gift of the Spirit is in operation, it will either instruct someone to do something or it will be encouragement. I want both. I want to receive the instruction because the instruction is what helps me live my life according to His will and His plan. And I want to receive the encouragement. I need to hear... Uh, I don't know about you spiritual people, but I need to hear every now and then uh, from God tell me, you're doing it right, you're on the right path, keep doing what you're doing, keep obeying, keep living, stay strong, stay committed, and that's what the gifts of the Spirit will do. They will encourage you. They'll let you know, you're doing it, you got it, stay where you're at, keep doing it. Sometimes you'll receive instruction. Now you need to do this, you need to go do this, we need to change this, we need to tweak this, we need to get rid of this. That's why the gifts of the Spirit. Why? So we can know His will and we can know His mind. See, when we understand the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, when we understand the source, when we understand that we are just a vessel, we are the channel as to how the gifts of the Spirit is made manifest, and when we understand that the gifts of the Spirit are to reveal God's will and God's mind, then we're not going to have a problem. We're not going to have a problem. We're not going to have a problem with order and design. We're not going to get out of balance. See, confusion sets in when you look at the vessel. People get confused because they look at the person who misused the gift rather than the gift that was in place. Uh, we, we, confusion and disorder sets in when uh, we look at the act that's taking place rather than the God that's healing the person. I mean, I've heard people, you know, a person will literally get healed in a service. Walked in with a sickness, walked out without it. And there's people that want to debate on whether that was really a move of God because they fell down. My, my thing is, who cares? The person was sick, and now they're healed. I don't care if they fell down. I don't care if they jumped up. I don't care if they ran around the room. I don't care if they laughed. I don't, I don't care if they cried. I don't care if they started shaking. A manifestation of the Spirit. But what did they do? They got their eyes off of the source. Well, he fell down. Well, he laughed. Well, he was running around. Well, he was jumping up and down. And we're, now we're focused on the act that's taking place rather than the source, God healing the person. 
And then there's times we get our eyes off of the gift because we get our eye on the vessel. And we see the, what the vessel's doing. Or we start glorifying the vessel rather than glorifying God. See, when someone gets healed, if I lay hands on the sick and they get healed, uh, many of you may have heard of him, Benny Hinn. Uh, watched him a lot when I was growing up. He's got a healing ministry. He's a healing evangelist. And uh, anytime someone would try to thank him, he would immediately stop them and say, don't thank me. I didn't do anything. Thank God. Why? He gets the glory. The second he starts taking credit for himself is the second confusion sets in, is the second disorder sets in. And so then we start focusing on the man instead of the gift and God who's working through the man. Okay? Well, Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that we desire to understand and know how your gifts operate in the church. We want to know your mind. We want to know your will. We want to know your ways. And, Father, we're so thankful that this isn't a guessing game. This isn't trying to to figure out if you're really moving or not. But, Father, we know that your spirit works through us to reveal your intent, to help us recognize your will, to help us know the mind. You said that we have the mind of Christ. So, Father, I thank you right now that as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we allow Him to manifest, as we allow Him to work in our lives, it won't be weird, it won't be awkward, it won't be crazy, we won't second-guess or doubt. We'll know because we desire to know the source. We desire to understand that we are vessels and we desire to know that the purpose of your manifestation of your Spirit is to reveal your intent to us, that we will be... Uh, we will be able to properly discern a move of the Spirit, and we will see moves of the Spirit, and we will yield to your Spirit as you move in this church. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for those that have faithfully attended tonight. Father, I thank you that they will be blessed. The rest of their week will be awesome because they have given time to your Word, given time to your body, and given time to, to, to grow and to learn so that we may produce fruit from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.